Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. The good life, what does it look like? I want people to, to hear something today and it's this, there's a different story. That story of the good life, I think I've met people who seem to be living that, that story but not many, not many at all. What does the good life look like to you? Perhaps a loving childhood, nice house, good education, leading to a good job, good health, and on it goes. How many of us then are actually living the dream, as it were, experiencing a good life? Truth is, there are a whole lot of things that can get in the way of that good life we're after. But even in the presence of those things like illness and injury and others, is it still possible to have a good life? I think you'll find the answer is quite encouraging. Let's find out as we join Dr. Corbett now for a look at The Good Life. Let's pray. I'm going to ask God, I'm going to speak to God and ask him to speak to us. Today is our what we call guest service Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month. Our last Sunday of the month, we hope that those who are regulars to our church will have invited someone to church invited someone to church for the first time and there's certainly enough people in northern Tasmania who are seeing our TV ads at the moment. Anyone seen our TV ads at the moment? And I uh, only had one complaint uh, from someone up on the northwest coast saying that our ad shoves religion down people's throats. Now whenever you hear that, I, I, I think there's a story there because there's no mention of anything except sometimes in life you have to look up. That's it. And so when I hear a response like that, I think, I almost feel like saying, can we have coffee? Because I'd, I'd love to hear your story. Because it sounds like you've got a bit of a negative story. So let's pray. Father, there are people who have negative stories. Life has not worked out well for them. And... Our heart is that we can help others to experience what we see in your word that by knowing Christ they can have a better life. They can have a life that is better in just about every way. And Father, this morning I pray that as I share and that those who are watching by webcast live right now, those who are listening by radio will, will hear something that will help them to experience what we are offering, which is help to make life better so I pray that you would speak through me as a vessel as a channel so that people hear you and not just me I pray in Jesus name amen I want to uh, talk about the good life and what I want to to do is kind of highlight that the good th this is a picture I, I just I grabbed off the internet I'm not sure if it bears any resemblance to anything particularly good but the good life, what does it look like? What, what for people does the good life look like? Here's the question. I want you to think about this. What top four things do you think most people want out of life? Just have a think about that for a moment. What, what top four things would you list as people would want to experience out of life? What is it? Well, I'm going to sort of ask the question here and answer it. I, did anyone say happy, to be happy? Yeah, quite a few people said to be happy. And I, I think if we asked people, that would probably be the response too, that people would indeed say, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. 
how many people said to be loved? Yeah, yeah, there's a few more as well in the top four. I actually think that would indeed be people's answer as well, that they would, they would, want, to, they would want to find love. What about this one? To be comfortable, to experience comfort, to have a comfortable existence. I think that would be people's story as well. And what about just to be healthy? In life, I'd like to be healthy. I'm sure that there's uh, some people here who, we have a lot of people who work in the health industry. And there are lots of people who don't want to be sick. They don't want to be ill. They don't want to be injured. They don't want to battle with pain. I relate. So for people who have these four things, and I've just taken four, and perhaps there were others that you were mentioned, and perhaps you may consider that there are other things that would justify what it would be for people to live a good life. And I think that shapes a story that people have about what it looks like to live a good life. What does that story sound like? I think the story sounds something like this. To grow up with a happy childhood with loving parents, there's two of our key words, and siblings in a, there's our third key word, in a comfortable home. I think the good life sounds like from that kind of childhood, they go on to have a, a, an education where they develop lifelong friendships with others. And from education, they, they get a good job that has exciting opportunities for advancement. And from there or in and around about that time, they meet someone that they can fall in love with and marry and together they can have children whom they can raise in their dream home. And then once that's, you know, all tucked away, to have an annual holiday. I was almost tempted to put on the Gold Coast. Is there anyone here who's had a family holiday not on the Gold Coast? You've never been to the Gold Coast? Oh, get out, Michael. You haven't been to the Gold Coast? Well, shame on you, Michael. Shame on you. Gold Coast. I don't know what the population of the Gold Coast is around surface, but it's probably around maybe a million people or so. And, and around this time of year, it's probably around five million. So... Anyway, I digress. Annual family holiday together. And, and then what does that look like as you get into the autumn of your life? It looks like becoming grandparents and you have grandkids. It looks like you're enjoying your retirement. It looks like you get to travel with it wherever you want. You know, maybe you have a camper van or maybe you have a caravan or maybe you're not into the, you know, the camping under the stars, you're just camping under like Michael five stars. So it's, uh, you know, travel can look like whatever. And uh, it, can, it can look like gardening. And then to die peacefully in your sleep. You know, given the option of how you want to die, most of us would go old age peacefully in our sleep, right? We would probably choose that. That's where you wake up in heaven, right? That a good deal? Does that, sound, or does that sound like a good story? I think that's probably, that story there is probably the story that most people would say, now that's a good life. That's a really good life. If I, if I get to live that kind of life, I think that's a good life. Here's the problem. For most people, this is not going to be their reality. This is just not their reality. Why is it not the reality that most people get to enjoy. 
I, I want to give you seven reasons why I think this is not a reality for many people. Number one, relationship breakdown. I hate divorce, and I reckon most people who go through it, they hate it as well. I reckon if, if you've been divorced and remarried, and someone said to you, was that fun? I reckon you could tell them, no, it was not fun. This was terrible to go through. I wish I didn't have to go through it. And there are many people here who have gone through the pain of divorce and they've remarried and they now have a, a much healthier, happier relationship. But going through that time of marital breakdown is just not fun. And I think this can derail many, many people. And of course, it doesn't just affect those people involved. And that, that's another issue, if we could look at the word hurt, we would understand it's not just a very small circle. The circle's often bigger than most people realise. The second reason why, for many people, this, is, this story is just not their story is because they actually make really poor choices. And poor choices become, I think, a lot more obvious when they're someone else's. And you're watching people make really poor choices and you think, why would you do that? And... Um, I'm, I'm hesitant. Every time I, I pause, I'm hesitant because I've got personal examples or people in my life who I could share about. And I, I probably, without naming names, that Kim and I have a family member who, who made a really poor choice. Really poor choice. And, and it has affected their life for the next nearly 28 years or so. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to be coy, but to say that... Um, on the way to her wedding, her father was saying, you don't have to do this. Now that's a clue as to how everyone saw the choice that was being made. And others were saying to her, are you sure you want to do this? And in the moment, there was so much emotion involved that it was just hard for her to see anything other than this is her only choice. Of course... There's always three choices you can make. Whenever you think you haven't got choices, you've always got at least three. Um, health issues. For those of us who have experienced poor health that wasn't in the diary, we didn't have it scheduled, where it could be you contract a disease. I, I want you to know in a moment, I want you to all go, oh, um, so just get ready. Uh, just before I came back from Rome, which you would think this would be really, really, you know, Rome, be awesome to go there. Um, I, actually, uh, I actually struggled with Rome and I wrote about why I struggled with Rome. It, it grieved me a lot. And to make matters worse, toward the end I, I became sick and I, I said to Kim, I, I'm, thank you, I appreciate that, but that was a little bit early. <laughs> and, and I said to Kim, there's something not right, I'm not, I'm not feeling right. And as, I, as I'm on the plane, I'm getting on the plane, I'm starting to feel like, something's really not right and I'm, I'm beginning to welt up and in fact when I got back I had um, welts on my face and on my arm and other parts of my body I'm not prepared to disclose and um, I thought I don't know what's going on here I'm not feeling well and and the thing was I had no idea what it was where it came from how I got it, it I didn't invite it in I certainly didn't have it in my diary it wasn't scheduled I went and got some treatment and it cleared it up in a, in a week or so. Picked up a bacterial infection. Oh, okay, thanks. Thanks for your sympathy. So if you're visiting here, you can see we're a 
highly sympathetic church. But the point there is, for some people, as something as minor as a bacterial infection that re- results in a general feeling of unwellness and skin irritation, it's not that, it's, it's HIV. It's cancer, it's some other deadly disease perhaps. And that can radically change your life. For others, these health issues are a super, super big deal and it changes everything. Pain can change everything. Then there's economic factors. And economic factors can be, again, again I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating because I, I, I can think of examples where, I won't name names, but I had a friend who, who bought a commercial property in Tasmania and multi-millions of dollars and leased it out and shortly into that, the building burnt down and he discovered that he hadn't paid the insurance. Yeah, oh, see, that got a more, that got a reaction. But it was that, it was that. And I, and I did that too. When, when he told me, it, I was like, you're kidding. He said, no. And this is a highly competent person. You just think, how does that happen? But that's just millions of dollars gone. And would that change anyone's life? That would have a dramatic impact on most of our lives. Economic factors can have a dramatic impact on life. What would happen if you received a large inheritance? A large, like a crazy large inheritance. Whatever number you're thinking, put another zero on it, multiply it by 10. Would that change your life? And for many people, it would actually ruin them. So economic factors can change your life. How about this one, weather events? I, I think of, uh, was it Christmas Day 1974? Anyone remember what happened? Darwin Cyclone Tracy. You know, people went to bed Christmas Eve thinking, you know, there's going to be a bit of rough weather because we get a bit of rough weather in Darwin around that time of year. And uh, so what happened was Cyclone Tracy came in and destroyed the city of Darwin. Were you in Darwin, Jim? What were you doing in Darwin? You were living there. Do you remember Cyclone Tracy? Did you have a house there? Did you have a house Boxing Day? No. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Cyclone Tracy destroyed the whole city. So you might think weather events. I I think of um, Boxing Day 2004 for those people who were living on the island of Aceh. Does anyone know where Aceh is? Just off Indonesia. And that was the Indian Ocean tsunami where the sea went out for, you know, five kilometres, unusually tied out moment and then it came back in a wall of 30 40 meters for about uh, two k's inland and destroyed people's homes and and all kinds of things so weather events then of course there's tragedies and and a tragedy can be and we've all maybe experienced tragedies i think of my uh, growing up in geelong my my youth leader his daughter was coming back from a party and um uh, she didn't get home. Uh, she was killed. She was killed on the road. And I know it messed him up. It messed them up. It just dramatically changed their lives. And so the good story isn't going to fit into this scenario. Then the other thing is, unfortunately for most of us, for most of us, we've not experienced the pain of war. If you think, is there any good reasons to live in Tasmania, that one alone is a pretty good one. Because we don't have wars like a lot of the world. There's some, I think, 17 major conflicts going on in the world right now. 
And these things dramatically affect your priorities, how you see the purpose of life and all kinds of things. So each of these factors can leave people struggling throughout the rest of their lives. So if you haven't been affected by those seven things, man, you, you should be rejoicing. Because for many people, these things change the course of their life. So how do these seven things affect people? If you've ever seen someone who's been through the pain of a relationship breakdown, and I don't just mean a husband and wife, I mean the children can be affected as well. It actually can affect their capacity, their ability to relate to other people. And for us introverts, we can default to shy, but there's a kind of shyness that's not just shyness, it's, it's an extreme apprehension to want to get close to people because of fear. So it can affect people relationally. And how does someone with, a, with that kind of handicap, that fear of getting involved in any kind of relationship, how, does that, how can they play out the good story, the good life story? It makes it very difficult. What about for those people that, that have been impacted financially? Maybe they've lost something they didn't have insured. Maybe they were robbed. There are people who end up being financially impacted in just a terrible way. It can dramatically impact them. And then, of course, there's mental health. Mental health can be impacted. And mental health involves people having to develop the capacity to be able to think realistically again. Because what mental health can do is, is hinder you from being able to think realistically. And then, of course, physical health can be impacted. Physical health can hinder and and hamper people from entering into that story we just told before. It can make it very difficult for them. And I guess I want people to to hear something today. And it's this, there's a different story. There is a different story. That story of the good life, I think I've met people who seem to be living that story, but not many, not many at all. And so what I want to point out is that you may think, yeah, well, that's all right for them. They had all the advantages. And what I want to do is is highlight there's a different story. And the different story is informed by what I learned from Jesus Christ. So let me give you an example that from the outset, the, the Bible actually says the good life, a good life is not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on your circumstances. So, for example, Psalm 1 talks about, you know, blessed is the man who trusts in God. And then it goes on and says this in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, that sounds hopefully very poetic. It is poetry. And it's meant to say that despite the seasons of life, this person who trusts God is able to flourish. And so there's an underlying thing that no matter what life's circumstances, you can flourish. And this one, Romans 8.28, this is kind of like one of my verse, life verses. It's just brilliant. This has got me through so much. And we know that for those who love God, all things, not most, not some, all 
things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So here's the point. A good life is not dependent on circumstances. I want to give you an example of this with the story of Annie Johnson Flint. And that's an etching of her. We don't have many photographs of her because she was born in 1866. She's born in New Jersey. Two years after she was born, her sister was born. So when Annie was four. And then a year later, Annie's mother died. Her father was very sick. He was a war veteran and he was unable to care for his two girls. He felt just unable to do it mentally, physically, emotionally. And so he asked the widow of a former war buddy, army buddy, who was struggling herself to look after her two children now that she was a widow. But she took them in and she, she struggled. She struggled to look after these two Johnson girls, um, especially because she couldn't afford to look after her own girls, let alone another two. Well, Annie went to school and the school teacher, Mrs. Flint, took a real liking to Annie and actually went and, and spoke with the lady, the widow who was looking after Annie and her sister and said, um, are you the mother of these girls? She said, no, I'm not. I'm just looking after them. Where's their parents? They've both died. And so Mrs. Flint, a young Mrs. Flint, her and her husband talked about it and they'd been unable to have children. And so they went to this lady and said, would you mind if we adopted Annie and her sister? And the widow said, oh, take the little beggars. I don't care. And so Mrs. Flint and her husband adopted Annie and her sister. Mr. and Mrs. Flint were very, very devout Christians. They really genuinely loved Christ, uh, which is surprising because they were Baptists. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that one in. <laughs> Come on, lighten up. It's a joke, right? And so at age eight, Annie had a sincere conversion experience. She gave her life to Christ. And life was pretty good in the Flint household. And so when she graduated high school, she did her, her teaching certificate and she began teaching. And she was teaching for three years before something began to go wrong. And she began to feel her joints really aching and hurting. And before long, rheumatoid arthritis set in where her legs would no longer work and Annie had to retire from teaching very early on in her teaching career and uh, Annie also loved music and she wanted to be a, a concert pianist and was unable to because now her hands were being gnarled and twisted and her body was contorting and so her dream of where her future was going was completely derailed in her early 20s. Just when you think things couldn't get any worse, this next photo is a photo of Annie. You can see she's contorted in, I think that's the only photo we've got of her in that uh, uh, very vintage wheelchair. 
blind, crippled in her hands and feet and twisted in her body. How would you relate to God? This is what Annie did. She began writing poetry and hymns. In fact, she's become one of the most prolific hymn writers in the Christian church. And just at the, I'm not sure if it's the height or the depth of her pain and her anguish, she wrote this hymn, and I have it in my Bible, and I'm going to read it to you. It's called, He Gives More Grace. Because you could hear the words and think, that's beautiful, that's lovely. But now that I've told you the story, the background to who wrote it and the circumstances that she wrote it, I want you to hear it differently. This is what she said in the midst of her pain. He giveth more grace, it's called. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labours increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Wow. The whole point there is a good life is not a matter of circumstances. And here's Annie Johnson Flint in the midst of her pain and anguish declaring that God is good and bountiful toward her and he gives her grace. So a good life actually follows quite a different storyline. Quite a different storyline. I want to give you the the basis, the premise for the storyline of what I consider to be what the Bible describes a good life. It goes like this. Your life is not an accident. And, and for many people, you're going to go, uh, yeah. Well, maybe for you, just switch off for a minute because there are some people and they heard throughout their childhood, you were an accident. And I'm going to counter that right now and tell you that was a lie. That was a repeated lie. That was never true. It's not true. It's just totally a lie. You are not an accident. You're not. God has ordained for people to be born when they are to be born, how they are to be born. And I mean, I mean the circumstances, whether it's a single mum, whether it's a, the pregnancy has resulted from not ideal circumstances. God never treats a life as an accident. Never. I think the classic, the, the preeminent example of this, we just celebrated last week, Christmas Day. I mean, God ordained for his son to be born of an unmarried virgin who was probably around about the age of 15. 
And when it came time to the delivery of the child, wasn't in a hospital, wasn't even in an inn. It was, certainly wasn't like any of the Christmas cards we've ever seen. It's what was called a grotto, a cave, where there was the smell of, well, you figure out what the smell was. Because this is where animals sheltered. And that manger, I mean, this is a beautiful manger. I don't know who made this manger, but that's a beautiful manger. I can guarantee you the manger in which Christ was born did not bear any resemblance to any Christmas card you've got. I mean, if you're a Christmas card illustrator, I mean, snaps to you, but please. It was probably something that looked like just a dump of hay in something and that's... In other words, here you have the most adverse circumstances for the birth of the Son of God on earth. He's the preeminent example. So here's the next thing. God has ordained for your family and your friends. You think, oh, you haven't met my family. (laughs) But he's ordained for that. And, And the friends and family that God brings into your life, they shape you. That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD, audio or premium download by going to the website findingtruthmatters.org and selecting The Good Life from our online store. As we've heard tonight, not everyone and perhaps very few experience the quintessential good life. The stuff of life can derail our storyline, but we have an opportunity to respond in such a way as to still experience something worthwhile. More from Dr Corbett next week. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.